Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Talks and Tastings Studios, this is the Clerical Errors Podcast. I'm Berg. I'm Vicar. I'm Pastor. Peter's here. Yeah, you're all, there's more than just one pastor. Try again. Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Tox and Tastings Studios, uh, this is the Clerical Errors Podcast, the show that shows you what's behind the collar. I'm Bullhagen. I'm Berg. And I'm Vicar. And Peter's here. Hey, Pete. No Bert today. So, one of those things where it's hard to get everyone scheduled together. And, uh, but we're, we're here doing a show. Got a lot of interesting, hopefully, things uh, coming up. I've got a beverage here. Yeah, I see that. Interesting, you know, so I had a, another, like, scope down my throat. Yeah? And Everything I don't, healing up? Um, they don't, won't, don't, can't really tell until they, I get the, like, they have to take biopsies of the tissues. Okay. Um, which sounds horrible, like, oh, no, you have cancer. Can't, no, it's nothing like that. It's just to see how much eosinophils are in my esophagus. What are eosinophils? Eosinophils. It's a type of white blood cell. Okay. Kind of reminded me of like Yosemite Sam from Looney Tunes. That could be their, that could be the EOE mascot. Because <laughs> I mean, he's mad and like, right. and you know, he's got red hair and your esophagus has been angry. inflamed and angry. So, okay. Eosyphilic Sam. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, I'll find out. So right now, the last couple of months, not only have I had not had wheat or dairy, so the last two months, then I've also gone without soy and egg. And if I don't have any improvements, now then I add uh, nut and uh, fish. Oh, my gosh. So you're... How could you not start adding in the other stuff? Like, it's clearly not the problem. Because it could stuff. be more than one. Ugh. Yeah. So so if that helps, then then, then we slowly start introducing... Other, yeah. Right. Yeah, I've heard of th- something like this before. A lot of families, when they think a kid has an allergy, they do, like, the, the 30 days thing. The 30 for 30 days, mm-hmm. where they cut out basically everything. It just, it sounds horrifying. Yeah. So... But yeah, it's, it's all right. I, I suppose long term, it's healthier for me just because I'm eating, like intentionally have to eat nothing that's processed because if it's processed, it generally has one of those things. So, right. you know, a lot of stuff where I meet, where I know what's in it and, and that kind of thing. So it isn't You're too gonna bad. You're going to outlive us all, Bullhagen. Well, the reason I brought that up is not to, to gain sympathy for our listener. <laughs> it's because one thing that's not on the list is uh, Diet Mountain Dew Code Red. See, I okay. I'm surprised that they let you drink any sort of like carbonated beverage. So yeah, oddly enough, I gonna have I can't have like, you know, wheat, milk, eggs, but code red. But yeah, Mountain Dew code red, all clear. The the big news is here that they they make diet Mountain Dew code red. <laughs> well, it's for the health conscious, Peter. Of course, yeah. yes, <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> so like all those benefits of you eating right now completely gone now that you've had this thing 
Yeah. Well, they they have it. It's not on the list. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, pop that sucker open right. and uh, let us know. I mean, do you have allergic reaction to just basic chemicals? I mean, this this sounds like something more Hannah might be able to answer. She's she's really good with that food thing. Right. Well, and I would have thought too that your uh, um, like it would just inflame it, you know, like even further, you know. Right. Because it's a little more acidic, and you know. Yeah, but the thing is, it's a certain type of white blood cell that, or white blood cell that's thinks that there's an infection. So, mm. so it's not just like. So it's actually general... an autoimmune disease. Kind of, but it, but it's if it's an allergy, it's still attacking the allergen. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not attacking necessarily my body. Right. So. Oofed up. So. But, All right. But uh, well, diet. I was uh, gonna say while while I appreciate the discussion, can we continue on? To you bet. <laughs> your esophagus. We're totally not ill prepared for this show. <laughs> I mean, but, on the one hand, it is literally behind your collar. Exactly. You know. That is true. <laughs> and uh, I'm a little tired today because it always when they, you know, they put you under for a little bit. It takes a little while for that stuff to get out of your system. But I figured a little code red would help with that. I always hate. Did they put you completely under? Not. They do it where they say, well, you're not going to remember anything. Oh, one of them partial ones. Right. Kind of like they do for the uh, colonoscopies. Right. Right. So. Yeah. All right. So moving on. Um, Vicar, what are you drinking? Just got some hot chocolate in the thermos. Oh, man. Are you a big hot chocolate uh, connoisseur? Trying to be because I'm not a fan of coffee. So I need a hot beverage I can drink. Are you one of the are you one of the water people or are you one of the milk people? Whichever versions available. Okay. See, I'm not I'm not the milk guy right now. Yeah. You you got to be the water guy. So how about you, Peter? So I, I think I, I would I prefer milk, but I don't have a strong preference. But like I feel like you have to have a preference, right? Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to taste test again and see. That might be something on the podcast we do. I in think the future. I think for you guys would probably prefer water because you've been drinking coffee for so long. Oh, quick tip though. Okay, so I've been trying to up my my protein intake with protein shakes. Okay. Problem is, most protein shakes are made out of of whey. Yeah, whey protein. So I I got, I found on Amazon a protein that's just all it is is all that it is, not all it is, uh, beef protein in powder form. Okay, right. Surely, I'm purely by natural processes. I'm sure that they take meat to make it into a white powder. Anyways, (laughs) and uh, completely natural. And I put uh, some. uh, Have you ever seen that powdered peanut? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually use that for brewing. Okay. Yeah, because uh, peanut, you can't use regular peanut butter because of the oils. Right. So So I put some of that in there, and then uh, a little almond butter. This is all going to change when they tell me I can't eat nuts, by the way. And then, to top it off, sounds strange, an avocado. Yeah, that does sound strange. Oh, seriously, though. Most, most places in the world, avocado is considered a dessert. It really? makes it hmm. so creamy and delightful. Yeah. It does. It's, it sounds weird, but uh, um, as somebody who's never tried that, 
I can say that it is socially acceptable outside of the United States. Yeah, so I'm, I am more, you know, <laughs> as, as a more, the more cultured person in this room. I would say so. You are very cultured, Bullhagen. Uh, as I what, sip what was on it we my were just talking about Mountain Dew Code the, Red. The podcast about you didn't know what Cthulhu was. Yeah, yeah Cthulhu. <laughs> I don't know. Well, that's just fringe, Peter. <laughs> oh, of course. No, actually, I don't know if it can be considered fringe. I'd say that that's got a... That's pretty mainstream these days. Well, how would I know about it? Uh, See, that that's the know, thing. Like, like everyone knows about it, except except you. I don't know. I, I honestly, I don't know. I don't know, Peter. How did you find out about Cthulhu? I have the internet. <laughs> there, yeah, there, there you go. I have an internet connection. <laughs> The, the tube connects to my computer. And I can uh, so, so because of I have internet, um, how how would I be searching for Cthulhu when I don't know about Cthulhu? Peter, can you answer this one? Osmosis. Okay. <laughs> well, you do like the hyperlinks, right? So, like you're reading in in Wikipedia, and you know you see another thing, and so you just like click the next. Wait, link, let me stop deal. you there. He doesn't read. Oh yeah, I I forget. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, so he needs someone well, to read hey, to him. Haven't I haven't I suggested the podcast The White Vault to you? Yes. Have you listened to it yet? I have not. Uh, I remember writing it down, and then I left it, <laughs> and then you forgot about it. <laughs> right? Yep. He might like overly. He might like overly sarcastic productions. It, it, well, is, that a, is that a deal? It's a YouTube channel. Well, my oh, family okay. makes fun of me. There's a commercial. Uh, have you ever seen this commercial? It's like a golf where there there there's a golf putt. And the announcers are being very quiet. And then a creature pops out of the lake and grabs a golfer. And the announcer says, yes, I believe that's a kraken, Bruce. <laughs> and so after watching that commercial, I thought the creature name of that creature was a kraken, Bruce. <laughs> and so I kept on threatening people. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull out the kraken, Bruce. And I, I thought the animal was called. No way! I really. Is Peter, this a, is this real? Peter, Peter. Oh my gosh! You, I can confirm, dude. You, yeah, I thought it was a kraken, Bruce. Well, there's this great YouTube video about basically it's like making fun of the Mormon uh, missionary deals, mm-hmm. uh, only with like the Necronomicon and the old ones. Okay, oh, now and, you lost. Oh, again. it's it's hilarious. Uh, I don't know. We should we should play that if we need filler. There, well, buddy, we we're should, doing yeah. a we're doing a pretty good job of filling our show with nothing already. <laughs> Man, I still don't get like you made it. How far as a pastor? Like, isn't this kind of the stuff that like you would just by osmosis? Well, yeah, get? yeah. There actually, there are times where where some a really troubled individual comes in, um, and they they knock on my my door and they say, "Pastor, I need to talk." Yeah, yeah. What's a kraken, Bruce? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say these other mythical creatures, but I don't know what I don't remember what they're called. <laughs> oh man. Because I mean like this would like there are role playing games, there's video games, um right? Yeah. Like it's a big it's a big deal out there. It's nowadays. like you know you know what a vampire is, right? Sure, sure. Where'd you learn that from? Um Uh I don't know. Yeah, me neither. Well, I mean that's that's been around. Yeah, so is, has uh, Cthulhu. Cthulhu's been around since like nine. Like I think Call of Cthulhu was written in 1931. Okay. So I mean it's been around for like 80 years, 
80, 90 years yeah. now. And there's stuff like him that's been stories for even longer. Right, like uh, James Hodgson, his uh, ghost stories, for example. Arthur Mackin, The Great God Pan, um, Algernon Blackwood. Um, so, All right, I didn't get most of those. <laughs> well, when <laughs> you're an honest. aficionado, I mean, it kind of, you know. In the entirety of, like, Norse and Greco-Roman mythology, there's monsters all over the place. Right, so, like, in, even in the Odyssey, you've got the Cyclops, you've got the Sirens... You've got all that kind of stuff, you know, so. Well, how about this? Can either of you describe the infield fly rule? I cannot. It probably doesn't involve an outfielder, does it? (laughs) So, you know. No, that's right. There there was a a video posted that that I was laughing at with, you know, the people people on Jeopardy with the last category being all football things, and they're just all blanking on it. I don't know any of them either. (laughs) So, yeah. So, we've got... So I apologize to the listener who are lo- looking for deep theological discussion today. We should probably uh, stop talking about the Kraken Bruce, the mythical creature. <laughs> yeah, it's going to take some time to edit. So, yes. <laughs> so the title of the show will be Release the Kraken Bruce. <laughs> I think it'll just be the Kraken Bruce. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so uh, what are you preaching on, Berg? Well, what is the Sunday coming up? What's its significance? And then the text. Yeah, we are on Quinquagesima. So this is the last Sunday before the beginning of Lent. In fact, it's the last Sunday right before Ash Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So the reading would be Luke eighteen thirty-one to 43. And taking... there, there are really two parts to this, isn't there? Yeah. I, there's yeah, a it's... part uh, where Jesus... Excuse me, code red. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it is kind of a two a two part section. The first is Christ, you know, predicting his death for the third time, and the second part is while on the road to Jerusalem, you know, nearing Jericho, Christ heals a blind man. So, so one re- reason, obviously, why it would be chosen as a last Sunday of pre Lent is obviously Jesus' predictions of his death. Mm-hmm. And uh, is there... You you know what I think is funny? Is like, you know, a a big thing like you learn about in school is foreshadowing, right? Mm -hmm. So you read something early in the book or you watch a movie and something happens, right? And then it comes, you know, it it has big significance later. Mm -hmm. You know? Like, uh, I don't know. Think of a movie where that happens. Actually, I use that to, like, the the sixth sense, for example. I I actually used that in Bible study the other day because we were talking about... uh, um, the Old Te- Old Testament theology, um, and the Old Testament, how it's in a way, um, every the the Jewish people knew a lot about who Jesus would be, but they didn't weren't able to put all the pieces together. So it's kind of like when Jesus comes, and after the resurrection, and on Pentecost, when we have all those Jews there um, who were there for the for the um, for the Passover, that there when when Peter preaches. That, uh, it's like, it's the, like you find out that Bruce Willis is dead. Right. All those other things in the Old Testament, which seem maybe strange or mundane, all mm-hmm. of a sudden, boom, it's all starting to make sense now. And the great thing is, is just like that movie, you can only watch it or read it once, but then once you know the punchline, mm-hmm. you know, then you can never watch it the same way again. Yeah. And it's the same way with the Old Testament. And so, so when Peter says, well, how come... David, for example, he says, how come 
he, David says, my Lord, but it's also his son. How can that be? Boom. Because it's Jesus. Indeed. So, and I, I was just going to say about foreshadowing here, uh, Jesus isn't very uh, subtle about foreshadowing. No. Like, he's not like, you know, there, there's going to be some troubled waters ahead. No, no. He, he tells him exactly what's <laughs> no. going to happen. He's like, look, this is where we're going. This is what's going to happen. Uh, they're going to kill me, and I'm going to rise again on the third day. Well, especially since literally the next chapter is the entry into Jerusalem. So they're quite literally, what, 40 miles away? Right. And one week out, so he doesn't really have time to... Yeah, I mean, and that's be, the thing. Subtle. It, it, it's like, like, there's no subtlety here. There's no hiding this. He just comes out and says it, right? Uh, and the, the disciples, my take on how the disciples listen to it, they're just like, oh, there's Jesus being a Debbie Downer again. It could be. Um, another thing, too, is just, uh, you know, it hasn't been revealed to them yet. I mean, the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit works where and when he wills, and, you know, it's been hidden from them. They're actually spiritually blind here uh, because I I think had they known, had they been able to perceive it, they would have tried to stop it. And 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 also, why were they so surprised when Jesus rose from the dead? Because once again, it's just they. The, it's not clicking, right? They are still. Right. It's still hidden from them, right? And it's interesting there because that's a passive, right? It's not that they hid it from themselves, but it is. Uh, this is something that the Holy Spirit actually sometimes does. He sometimes hides things from us. Mm-hmm. And that's not the worst thing in the world either, because hopefully that'll drive you like, like well, what did we cover last week? With, you know, we covered oratio, meditatio, mm-hmm. and tentatio, yeah. right? I mean, hopefully that blindness, that spiritual blindness, that's tentatio, right? When you don't understand something that the scripture says, what should that do? It should drive you right back to prayer, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the anfactung, the tentatio, uh, the temptation or the affliction isn't just something out there, outside of yourself. Sometimes it's your own spiritual blindness. Mm-hmm. Um, and this all then drives us back to prayer. Which um, actually drives us back to the text, because right. no, no sooner does Jesus say this is going to happen, he encounters a man encounters him, basically— it really focuses on the man's experience, if I remember correctly from the text. And he cries out, Son of David, have, have mercy, mercy on me. me. Which, uh, we, where he, well, well, you know, Jesus' predictions kind of falls on deaf ears. Yet here, this man, this blind man, can actually see. I mean, right. that, that's not just Jesus, heal me. That's Son of David, have mercy, which is... A little more profound than we we might think, right? And that I believe it doesn't it say your faith has saved you, in the Greek, again yeah. rather than made you well. Yeah. And then we see that this guy follows Jesus, right, glorifying God. Another interesting thing here is just the, uh, um, <laughs> it's it's amazing, and it's kind of a it's aggravating to pastors, but it's also very comforting to pastors because. Uh, we have people in our congregations that we've taught for years, just like Jesus taught the disciples, and they still don't get it. <laughs> uh, and it is. It's very aggravating at times. Um, but then you have this this blind man sitting by the road who maybe heard a few things about Jesus here and there, mm-hmm. and he's got a much more profound faith than, than the disciples <laughs> do, right? 
Um, and that just shows too that all this stuff, like you can have the best schools, you can preach every single day, have the best sermons, uh, but without the Holy Spirit, without His blessing, without Him opening our eyes, um, we are, everybody will remain blind. Yes. And and it's, it's also a it's, comfort because can I put it in my terms? Yeah, go for it. Uh, we're not natty, bro. <laughs> yeah. See, making references back. Go listen to that uh, episode if you haven't listened already. The one that one of my favorite segments, which I'm not sure if everyone else gets, but that's okay. <laughs> hey, I, it's that one was good, right? Uh, because faith isn't natural, right? Right. It's, it's a gift of the. It's a gift of God. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit, and. And that's the thing too is like that's very comforting for us that this blind guy we don't know how he how he came to the faith uh that he he might have heard a few little passing messages about Jesus but you know it's not like he sat at Jesus feet for years mm-hmm. it's not that he you know and yet he has a much deeper and profound faith than even the disciples so it shows that no word spoken is ever in vain and and uh perhaps it was you know, what the Bible says of David that helped enlighten him, you know, kind of like, you know, what we talked about at the end of the movie where, where, okay, Jesus dies, he rises from the dead, and all of a sudden it, it starts to make sense to people. And then they can preach it to Jews who, okay, now it makes sense. Maybe he had some more of those things that helped him put things together about who the Messiah was. Mm-hmm. You know, I even think the, uh, um, in John, I don't know if that's a parallel here, um, but, uh, but the man born blind, I mean, like he goes to the synagogue and they kick him out. Right. And he doesn't even know who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. Right. He doesn't even know Jesus name. I mean, we wouldn't have passed him in any like catechism class. Mm-hmm. I mean, we would fail him, but his faith is strong enough. Right. Even though it is living on like the barest, the leanest bit of part time. Right. Uh, his faith is strong enough to stand against, um, the rulers of the synagogue against the cowardice of his own parents, uh, and he goes and he finds Jesus. Um, so, I, and, and there's something beautiful then about this this whole conversation with this blind man, and that is, while everyone may have been focused on what they saw, if you're blind by nature, you have to trust in what you're told. Right. Um, his his faith came by hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't come by seeing because he couldn't. It came by hearing. And even when you say, well, he obviously knew that miracles will happen. Well, how did he know? Someone told him. Right. He didn't see any of of them. They told him. And I I think that that is, uh, Vicar, I'm not sure how far along in your sermon you are. I'm far enough that this isn't really getting me derailed any. Okay. <laughs> Cuz no cuz I was looking also at the epistle reading for this week which is Corinthians 1 thir- Corinthians 13. Oh love. Right. And so here we've got this act of Christ's mercy in love of healing this man even as he's on his way to the cross to show ultimate love. Mhm. Now it's interesting because Luke brings up a very interesting detail about where this takes place. Right? It takes place in Jericho. And I mean there's a lot you could riff off of there. I mean Everything from the walls falling down, yeah. which mm-hmm. is once again by sound and not by sight. Mm-hmm. Um, it being rebuilt, which was actually not something they were supposed to do. Um, and it's interesting, too, where Jericho is. Jericho is known as the City of Palms, right? And it's not that far from Jerusalem in terms of miles, but elevation-wise, 
uh, they have very different uh, climates. Actually, the uh, Jericho is in uh, almost a tropical climate. That's why it has palm trees, where Jerusalem is so high up that it's more of a um, temperate continental Mm -hmm. climate, which is really amazing. So I think even just the place you can riff off of a lot there, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The beginning of the conquest, um, you know, all of the things that... The, the story of the Good Samaritan, there's... Right, yeah. exactly, you know, um, so. So we do have something we haven't heard in a while, and that is we have a Western update. Uh, find out what's going behind the newly minted caller um, from 15.0, which we now can call Baldwin. He's no longer a number. Ah, man. He's not like 17, he's still a number. Right. (laughs) 16, still a number. Well, hopefully, you know. Yeah. So, uh, and by the way, our our congregation approved to get number 18. Nice. Weekend. So, no, that's wonderful. Thanks be to God. So, uh, let's hear um, from. Hey, Peter, is this okay? Maybe it's too much work. Um, Could we add, since Bert's not here, Bert saying Peter play the intro. I'd rather I'd rather keep that'd be confusing. Okay. All right. Because when he I don't know if you listened to the last one, he had to leave early. So we had him say a bunch of Peter play the intros like before he left. That's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean I I'm can do that later today. Here, I'll 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 try to I'll I'll try to be our Bert for today, okay? All right. Ready. Peter, play the intro. Oh, you even did the finger good. thing. I did. Yeah, you the got, finger. You got to You got to get the. You got to get it into character, wow. right? You said that like a Kraken Bruce. That's the way I roll, man. It's the way I roll. Hey, clerics! It's another Western update. Baldwin coming to you out here from the Western Satellite Campus. This evening, I've got a Sam Adams Boston Lager, which. Personally, it's probably one of my favorite just all-around beers. Not too light, not too dark, not too hoppy, not too bitter. Just good all year round. So, Stop. you know. So that's what we call a Goldilocks beer. A Goldilocks beer? Right. It's not too bitter. It's not too this. It's not too that. <laughs> it's just right. Just right. So we're glad you're you know, enjoying that, I've, Baldwin. I think I've had a Sam Adams once, and it was in an airport. Was it good? It was okay. I mean, like if I go out to a restaurant, like to B Dubs, which that's I always been a go-to. To. Like Sam Adams Tap is, if you can get that, is good. Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes it's hard to find good their beer. Their Oktoberfest you know? is good. Mm-hmm. I like their '76. It's pretty fruity. I like that kind of fruity kind of beer. Mo- actually, that was one of the most disappointing experiences was from Sam Adams. <coughs> their winter lager, where they put like spices in it. Mm. It's he- kind of like you, like uh, you're drinking it in your living room and you accidentally spilt some potpourri in it it's yeah that's i like founders so as a brewery um they've got a backwoods bastard that's really good it's a bourbon aged uh, bourbon barrel aged uh beer it's amazing so back to our update if, if you're not sure what to get get a sam adams boston lager you really can't go wrong so it's been a while since i've had an update and I apologize about that. It's been kind of crazy. A while back, you guys did an episode on Christmas fatigue. And uh, I can <laughs> I can relate now. 
man, so, you know, you go through your first Advent and Christmas, you're preaching, you know, twice, three times a week. Um, and then uh, it just so happened that the week after Christmas, I had four different people that I knew. Some, you know, were from a while back. Others were pretty close, like one of my classmates and my grandmother uh, who died. So, yeah, in the four days, three days, three days after Christmas, I had four different people die. So that was, uh, that kind of added on to that fatigue. And then uh, here just recently, I've got COVID and I've got over it. And now my wife has COVID and she's still recovering. So, you know, it's, uh, it's been kind of an adventure, which leads me to kind of, I guess, the main observation for this, uh, this update, the look behind a newly minted collar. A pastor's workload, a pastor's schedule can can really vary a lot. It's it's definitely not a nine to five sort of job where you just, you know, you go in, you have your schedule, you punch out at the end of the day. You know, sometimes, you know, you're you've got you've got some free time. Other times, you know, it's it's uh, the middle of Advent and someone dies during the week and now you've got three sermons, you know, plus that presentation for your winkle that's coming up in the following week. And so you're working like crazy. Um, and so I've been blessed. I was blessed on Vicarage. Uh, you know, credits to you, Pastor Bullhagen, for driving this point home that, you know, sometimes when things are light, you know, you can take a little extra time and relax, spend time with your family, do things you might not get to, uh, you know, when those really crazy times come, because they are going to come. And you're going to be there in the office late. You're going to be going in early. Um, and so just, you know, for our listeners, if, if you don't know that already, just something to perhaps keep in mind when you're watching your pastor and seeing what he does that, you know, you never know. He might be having a crazy week. He might be taking a little time off where he's got got time to do that. So. All right, stop it for a sec. So uh, as we uh, think about this, that is an interesting maybe behind the collar moment. And that is our, our schedules really are different. Now, yeah. when you, you work out your schedule, do you have like certain times I'm going to work from here to here? How do you how do you do that? Well, when I first got there, I, I had these grand plans and uh, it all just fell apart. Um, <laughs> I uh, I mean, with the, with the school, with the meetings I have, um, it's very difficult to plan my week. I, I feel it's pretty... It is. It's very hard to plan my week uh, in any way... Uh, and then uh, when my son was born, uh, my wife actually works at the school too. So um, my afternoons get shortened because I'm watching him for two hours. So it's a little, mm-hmm. it's been a more of a adjustment to, to uh, try and make sure everything gets done that needs to get done while fulfilling all of my obligations. And the one thing that's interesting about what I've learned over the years, as far as when it comes to scheduling is you could say, say you know, 50 hours or 40 hours, but it's interesting. Hours aren't the same. You know what I mean? If you're, if you're for example, if, if you spend, uh, you know, an hour and a half with someone in a death situation, okay? You know, you might say, well, that was only an hour and a half of work. Yeah, it was like six hours. <laughs> Honestly, it feels like six hours. Right. Right. Or Sunday morning, for example, mm-hmm. you say, well, you know, I work from eight to 1130. And that, that, that first energy wise and brain power. And when you get home, it doesn't just feel like a. Right. And I know I've had one of my biggest struggles has been leaving it because, you know, we don't really have a church office in the church. 
mm-hmm. you know, so I'm working at home a lot. Um, and just being able to step away from it and not think about, especially the bad things. That's the thing is, mm-hmm. you know, um, it, it's not just the schedule. I mean, the schedule I can handle if it's something outside, but it's the running through things in your mind again and again and again, yeah. and not being able to, to take a step back from it. Uh, I honestly, I think that's the most exhausting and probably the the worst part of it, you know? Some of the more of like a interpersonal stuff too, just like how wrestling with other people thing, what's going on in. Yeah. And just, just the, you know, I mean, it does, it causes you anxiety because mm-hmm. you want it to all work out well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not fun when you're in conflict. It's not fun when you. Yeah, have to rebuke people on the basis mm-hmm. of God's word. Um, and good. One of uh, I think one of my favorite top twelve list was the helping pastor sleep, right episode, where where if you, I'm not sure which one that was, but it was because uh, there are certain things that uh, you can do to help your pastor sleep because <laughs> yeah. we wrestle with a lot of stuff. Uh, number number thirteen on that list. Uh, we really shouldn't have meetings too late at night because especially if it's bad. I don't know about you, but I have yeah. a hard time. I have a hard time sleeping at those meetings, you know, especially if things go go south, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, so no, I mean it's it's a struggle. I mean, um, I'm glad it's just the schedule stuff at this point. But being I... being able to to disengage and walk away from it mentally uh, is a great is a huge skill that a I don't know. I'm still Be- learning. Because, you know, when we talk about pastor burnout, you know, a lot of pastors get, I think, I think there's been a lot of that since COVID, especially. Right. Um, and uh, it's kind of interesting. In some ways, during COVID, when you have, you might say, well, there's a little more pastor burnout. What's interesting is their schedules actually may have been less busy. Right. Because they they're weren't able to make as many visits you know, or as many services or as many Bible studies. Sometimes it, it did actually produce extra work. Sometimes it made things slower. And when, when pastors get burnt out, it's generally not because they're working 80 hours a week. No, I mean, like, if you've got somebody in the hospital or dying and, you know, I mean, honestly, that's, like, the best part of the job mm-hmm. because people love to see you. And, you know, it's the mental game. Mm-hmm. And and for me being here, for example, you know, I went through our picture book with Vicar, my first picture uh, book when I was here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when you go through page after page, and there are pages where half of the people on the page are now dead. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that for me, that, that over time, as a, that gets to kind of be kind of a weight to carry around. Right. When, when you... You get to a lot of them are shut-ins you visited, you know, 50, 60 times, you know, precious members you've gotten to know, tragedies, and then you think, well, you know, it's not like, you know, when every one of those, to a certain degree, you are emotionally involved in all of them, and and, right. and you think, well, I've had 180, 200 of them, you know, that, that just, that does sometimes kind of be a, a weight as well. right. But, but as far as schedule, to get back to Baldwin's point, um, I think it's important for pastors to not feel bad necessarily about taking time when they need it or to realize that, you know, some things may have only taped, you know, I was only at someone's deathbed for an hour and a half. I should be able to do, okay, six and a half 
hours the rest of the day to fill everything out. Yeah. No. Nope. No. 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 Nope. I think sometimes it there is a there is. Well, people feel guilty, mm-hmm. and I think that's one thing. The church will exist without you. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's for... okay to take it's okay to take some time, and you know, uh, with schedules, you just have to see where you're at and what your obligations are. I mean, some some parishes are a lot. It's it's a lot easier than than other parishes mm-hmm. in order to schedule your time. Um, and and, and some, there's a lot of times where pastors doing things that no one knows about or helping someone or dealing right. with issues that you know. But you know, one thing I would encourage is to always make time to study. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's the first thing to fall by the wayside when you get busy. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's part of your duty as a pastor is. You know, you can't give anything if you don't have anything in the tank. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, yeah, and, and to, you know, for me, uh, when you're talking about scheduling, um, I, and I, hopefully I've taught the vicars some of this. I've talked to you maybe a little bit of, of just knowing when you're going to be productive and when you're not. Right. I, there are certain times where I know, you know, if when if I were to try and do something... I might be able to do it. Otherwise, I'm just going to be completely distracted because I have, it's not a secret, I have attention issues sometimes. No. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, and so, you know, knowing, and if, if I don't think I'm going to be productive at anything, you know, let's say I, I'm, I'm going to set up this time to study uh, and to work on the sermon, and then I, I this is not working, well, I'm going to go see someone. Yep, go do something else. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I'm a morning person. I get my, you know, that's why I, I work in the mornings. Mornings are the best time for me. At night, get about 7 o'clock, there's not a lot I can do anymore. Mm-hmm. I am about at the end of my rope. Now, there's a pastor uh, in our circuit. Um, he is definitely not a morning person. No. But he would stay up till like 3 o'clock in the morning working on his PhD when everybody else was asleep. Right. So, you know, it's like just know yourself, exegete the congregation, and uh, you know, how, how uh, vicar? Because you you're in you have an interesting situation as compared to most vicars. Is you've got a probably a more active household than most vicars. How how would you describe what you've learned in this time so far? Yeah, with with regards to scheduling, I learned a long time ago that I I have to keep myself on something because I'm a procrastinator. Mm-hmm. So if I don't map out at least here's here's some general. This is when I would like to get this worked on. Mm. Like I've got a, a weekly calendar right now where I've literally got it blocked out. Okay, this you know this day for two hours I'm going to work on the Bible study. This day for an hour and a half I'm working on Sunday school, and so on, so on. And I know it's going to move, stuff's going to happen. But if I at least have that mm-hmm. written down, it keeps me honest. So all right, uh, Peter, continue. You want to talk about scheduling? Holy cow! Getting the three of you to uh, three pastors and a vicar together <laughs> for a weekly podcast. Holy cow! Yeah, it's like herding cats, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it it's really kind of is. funny. Our associate podcast mom is on that text link too, even though she doesn't uh, really join us for that. But she must just look at our text chain and like, you people. <laughs> I imagine she is supremely uh, frustrated by our inefficiency. <laughs> I'll, I'll admit, I'd like it if it was a, oh yeah, every Thursday at this time we're going to do this, but... Well, we deal it's with a producer gonna... who who has a different right. schedule every right. week. 
hey, you know what? If we want to do a morning, I always tell you guys, I can do it whenever. I just give up sleep. That's fine. See, and that's the hard thing for me is uh, doing it in the mornings because, you know, that's really the time when I can get my work done, you know? So it, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's hard for all of us that way. It's uh, not the easiest, but we still do it every week. For you, the listener. For you, the listener. Just an observation there. Uh, Kind of a second thing here is... uh, one part of being a new pastor, and as you're still getting to learn your congregation, when you, uh, you're going to do stuff and you're not sure how it'll go over exactly. Maybe like starting up a podcast, right? Or in this case, I'm going to be doing a Bible study for uh, LWML. We're having our meeting tomorrow. And I'm going to be talking about reading verses in context. And we're going to go over Psalm 4610. So, you know, perhaps I'll leave that up to, to you guys, maybe to Vicar, to try to see why why Psalm 4610 might be something where you'd need to take the context uh, into consideration and not just, you know, having that verse plastered on a very beautiful sign above your dining room table or something. So anyway, this is uh, Baldwin with a Western update, and uh, you guys take it easy. We'll be sending stuff out to you again later. Well, that was awfully nice. So uh, I see uh, 15.0 is, is shaking his head. 17. 17, excuse me. Yeah, because I was doing a Bible study you know, on Mondays with looking at verses in context. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as I turn this in, it's be still and know that I am God. It's like, oh, it's, that, it's, it's the Hallmark card. Because the verse right before that, verse 9, he makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Yeah. Context is really important when you're reading stuff. Mm-hmm. 11 might be better for a card. <laughs> the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Because, no, I mean, it's the Psalms. The Psalms are always good. They're always good to have mm-hmm. even just that single verse. But this is Psalm 46. This is where Luther got the words to a mighty fortress. Yeah, I, I would say, uh, trying to, what Baldwin says is people do, oh, yeah, they take they, a time. They, they look at one verse and it's like, oh, this is so nice. But it's good to just be quiet. But it's really he's basically he's saying to the the, yeah. the winds and the waves and the the armies yeah. and to to be quiet, shut up, <laughs> isn't it? Basically, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, it's like you think you can take my people. Well, you got to go through me first. Right. Right. He makes desolations of the earth, as it says. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. The the words be still are to all the troubles, not to right. the people who are being troubled. Exactly. So Womp Womp. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, it's still it's still a nice verse to to hang on your wall. Yep. Sure it is. <laughs> um there's a I, we should do like a just terrible um like terrible uh, uh, verses for like a Hallmark calendar because um, I think that would be awesome. You know, like verses <laughs> completely taken out of context. Like, oh, um, I thought you were going to say something like Judas went and hung himself. Well, that too. We could do that one. <laughs> uh, like, for example, from Matthew 4, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. <laughs> <laughs> Just put it on a t-shirt. Yeah. Or, I mean, or you know. a t-shirt, a card, or, you know, a perfect greeting for uh, for an ordination. 
I like it. So, all right. There's a top 12 in there somewhere. Yes. Yes. Look for it. I'm, I might actually have 12, 12 verses out of con- that are out of context because we, do- we were doing that for the Bible study. Popular verses and then looking at the context. So there you go, There might Victor. be 12 already. You, you got this. Make it so. Next week. Next week on the Clerical Heirs Podcast. And coming up for our 100th episode, we will do the top 100 passages taking it out of context. You got it, Vicar. You got it, man. I'll pray for you. That's right. And I'm already picking out the verse for your your ordination. What you will do, do quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Flee fornication. Oh, boy. (laughs) Now you should do the Ezekiel one with the two sisters. (laughs) Oh, man. I'm going to get such strange looks from the district president when that happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I was in it seminary. Might wor- it might be worth it. In seminary, HOM 4, homiletics 4, which is a sermon-making class. And uh, uh, I had a, a classmate of mine who, uh, and you could choose your own text for this, uh, for a wedding sermon. Uh, he had it from Exodus where uh, Zipporah uh, circumcises their son. Uh, <laughs> and then smears the the foreskin the bloody foreskin on Moses' feet and says you are a bridegroom of blood to me and he, he <laughs> who, who he was made, the, who was the professor made, for this oh boy I, I think i might know the student yeah maybe you do um <laughs> um <laughs> and it was um oh who was the professor i just quill want, i think it was quill okay I, I just wanted to see if i could picture the reaction properly <laughs> so it was amazing i was it a good sermon i'll, I'll bleep it out who do you think it was You think? Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know it was. So. <laughs> but. Uh, Man. Man, if he was on the podcast, though. Oh, oh gosh. Oh. We would be number one. Oh, I'm so glad I wouldn't have to edit that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right. I'd have to listen to it. I mean, we're giving you a lot of editing today already, so go ahead. All right, so, you know, um, probably not the best passage to choose for a wedding sermon, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So just because bridegroom is in there, you maybe shouldn't always use <laughs> use that. Just saying, guys. Well, do you remember what the point was, though? No. I was in shock the whole time, trying not to laugh. Yeah. You didn't have a skin in the game, did you? I didn't have any skin oh. in the game. Oh. <laughs> nope. <laughs> oh, man. And neither did Gershom. <laughs> All right. So, ba-doom. All right. Uh, you know, we never did that um, news that bothers Berg. We did one of them, but we didn't. I, I didn't think it was worth hitting both. If you want to hit it, we can hit it. Let's try it. Because I also have a news that bothers Bruce. Oh. And I think mine will bother him much more than you. All right. We're going to do a competition of news that bothers Berg. Which one will bother Berg more? Okay. Uh, I'll, right, I'm going to do the Berg. take control of the mouse and do yours. All right. Peter, play the intro. That was pretty good. I like Is it. Is that good? Yeah. You got to have more oomph in the play. Peter, play the intro. There we go. Yep. 
There you go. There's fake news. There's real news. Then there's real news that Berg wishes was fake. It's time to hear news that bothers Berg. All right, so uh, my story is first. So this one, my entry is uh, from something called uh, express.co.uk. It's probably legit. This is a life after death situation. And a man claims he was told the meaning of life in a near-death experience. Okay, so a man who temporarily died believes he's given insight into the meaning of life and now believes we are all interconnected beings who are a part of one giant organism. Okay. That sounds like Buddhism. Yeah, yeah in, in a sense. It's I fun, mean, funny how that's always the default. Yeah, I mean, it's more of a, it depends on what kind of Buddhism. Mahayana, definitely. Yeah. Um, more more Hinduistic, you know. Okay. Uh, more of a blob god type of thing. I, so does that bother you, that one? No, I want to actually hear what he, like, like, what does he believe about it? Like, uh, are we like, are we like the neutrons? Are human beings like the neutrons in, in this giant organism's brain or, you know? He says... Like, like does, does this organism eat? Like, is it a galaxy that consumes other galaxies? Well, he clinically died for a few minutes after suffering from a heart attack. Before he could revive, he believes he caught a glimpse of the afterlife where he is offered an insight at what it means to be alive. Huh. Do you know what, though? This does sound like a little bit. This sounds like uh, when people take uh, hallucinatory drugs. Yeah, like Philip K. Dick. Okay, explain. He's, he's the one who wrote like um, uh, uh, Blade Runner, and right. the original name of the book was uh, "Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep," which is great. <laughs> um, he also wrote uh, "Man in High Castle," and he wrote um, "Oh Total Recall." Okay, right? the Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that yeah. one. Yeah, mm-hmm. Arnold. Which I mean, those are pretty trippy, right? That dude was doing a lot of LSD during the '60s and. That's where he got a lot of his ideas. <laughs> so so he says, which is a common thing, that uh, I think when people have some sort of a trippy experience, that they all of a sudden, I've now gained better insight. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, he said that he spoke telepathically to unknown beings who revealed that all living things on Earth are connected. So he passed out while watching Star Wars. Is it the Force? Like, I mean, honestly, like, I want to see, like, the mythology behind this. Like, is this being growing? Are there other beings like it? Uh, like, what's, like, the destiny of this being? I mean, he says, I was told that we will all go back many times until we have learned what is needed to ascend to a higher state of being. Oh, okay. This sounds like um, <coughs> a lot Hinduism. of that 60s and 70s. Uh, um, reincarnation. Well, reincarnation. uh you know, that was a big thing in the United States, too. All these yogis came over here, and not the cool, like, yogi beer, but more of a, you know, and they started communing with demons. I'm sure this guy, like, either had a hallucination, but probably more, more. I mean, I don't know. He, these beings that he met and spoke with telepathically were probably demons. You mm-hmm. know? I mean, because somebody's going to believe this nonsense. So, and I, I, I believe believe that aspect of it because people who are in those situations, 
they say, I'm going to open up my mind. I'm going to open things up. I'm going to take substance to really open my mind up. Right. And what are they opening up their mind to? Mm-hmm. New Age, that's what it's called. This is like New Age nonsense. So, eh, someone didn't really bother you that much. I mean, you know, I just, like, it just left me wanting more. <laughs> like, you know, build, build, you know, build me a world, you uh, know? All right, so uh, next uh, next story, Peter. Yeah, this is a press release uh, released a few days ago from the Iowa Satanic School. Uh, it reads... Iowa Satanic School has published our first press release congratulating the Iowa State Re- Senate Republicans for passing SF-159. Uh, the school recognizes the considerable efforts of the Iowa GOP to move forward with the school choice for our state. This will give Iowa families the choice to seek educational opportunities outside of public schools using their taxpayer-funded Student First Scholarship to make Iowa's first Satanic School a reality. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, I think you won. Although it's funny because uh I don't know, I think this is all a scam because I wanna say that the SF one five nine, um, it's only about those schools that don't hit the fortieth percentile. Mm-hmm. So it's a bill that only covers a small percentage of schools in Iowa and you know, all these Teacher unions are hollering about it, you know, mm-hmm. um, but it's not a- an actual like real voucher program. Um, and secondly, it's like now it, <laughs> it's just really funny <laughs> because like I, I like how it, I has has a uh, Brad's on Satanic Temple supporter District Twenty. Like I mean, like doesn't anybody <laughs> doesn't anybody else find this hilarious that <laughs> that 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 the Satanic people are are saying, oh hey, good job GOP. You know, the GOP usually, like, uh, you know, has really welded itself to, like, the evangelical, <laughs> you know, um, the American evangelical party. Which, which is know, probably what majority. this group is trying to do. They're trying to scare actually religious Christian people into thinking that. Maybe. I mean, I mean that would be. I think they are actually because they actually do want to start a satanic school, right? Okay. Well, yeah. Oh, and now I mean, we got to run with this idea. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. The name would be easy. It'd be H.P. Lovecraft Memorial Elementary School, home of the Fighting Cthulhus. There you go. <laughs> Only if you're a derelict <laughs> fan. They say in here, congratulations to the, and then they say specific senators and whatever, uh, who worked hard to answer the call of Baphomet to give all families the chance to be educated without curriculum regulation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is almost more of a stunt than anything. I just, I think so. In, in a way, I mean, this is like, this is like, at, like tenth level trolling. I at, mean, it's, at which a, point it's amazing. Does, at which point does this become a Babylon B article? Uh this is a not the B article. It's great, um, because I mean, these people don't actually like. If they're the kind of Satanists that I'm thinking, they don't actually believe that Satan is a real, a real person. They believe that he's a personification of freedom and mm-hmm. emancipation and you know that kind of stuff so like to say they answered the call of, Bah- of Baphomet I mean it's all just like tongue in cheek right you know I mean they're probably atheists or agnostics with maybe some spiritual deal who want freedom is basically, or, or you know. people who think that uh, people who think that teaching Christianity is on par or just as evil 
but that but that's the thing is like this school um you know i mean the public schools don't teach christianity mm-hmm. you know right I mean, like right but so their, their point is is i think i think probably what they're making is well well as ridiculous as this this might sound to some of you who think differently than satanic groups uh this is you know this is how we feel about christian churches or schools getting a voucher maybe i mean i think they're actually sincere i think they want the voucher system in order to fund their own school with their own tax money and i mean in principle i'm i'm not opposed to that i mean i think that uh public education is actually would you you want your school playing in basketball <laughs> uh no <laughs> No, um, we probably wouldn't do that. But I mean, I mean, our, you know, this is the thing. Using, I mean, I think the greater thing besides these Satanists is, um, you know, <laughs> like I, at least they're open and honest about what they're doing. Like the public schools are godless on a on a fundamental level because they have to be, mm-hmm. you know, um, and that's what our tax dollars are going to pay for. I mean, I would rather be free and uh, start up parochial schools, do homeschooling or whatever, um, so that way I can teach my children uh, the one thing that actually matters, which is Christ and Him crucified. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I especially with the way I, I have a feeling it's all going to go now that um, we don't know the difference between boys and girls anymore where boys who identify as girls can now, you know, compete in the same athletic mm-hmm. things, you know. I mean, so... I'm, you know, I'm not going to brag, but I would have dominated. Yeah, I mean, it's like the <laughs> it's like the uh, Babylon Bee article that says, Bear, who identifies as a human, you know, breaks all of the wrestling records. <laughs> it's like, yeah, of course. But, so, I mean... I, I can't wait for a 40-year-old man to uh, identify as a... Seventeen-year-old. I'm I'm offended by that statement. <laughs> I've been You're told right. I dress like a teenager once in a while. <laughs> I said forty, oh, not fifty. Okay, I, I think there's been oh. people who've done that already. Burn. <laughs> there, so, there are big people done that. That are claiming, yeah, that they're young, that they're they identify as younger than they actually are. Hmm. What a bunch of babies. <laughs> but um. But anyway, so yeah, no, I mean, it's where, I, where we're at, man. Yeah, well, I got more of a reaction out of uh, Peters, but I do think it like starts a great conversation about like, you know, what should Christian churches do in, to be able to provide Christian education for their for their members? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's a that's a huge and important discussion. Um, you know, we didn't have any parochial schools where I grew up, and so. Um, you know, we had what was called a Wednesday school from third grade all the way up, where we learned Reformation history, hymns. Uh, by the time we left Sunday school, you know, we had memorized the catechism at least three to four times. Mm-hmm. Um, you, on the other hand, went to a parochial school mm-hmm. um, because you lived in Fort Wayne, where there are a number of them. And I believe you went to a parochial school too, right, in Norfolk? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think uh, as things progress the way that they're progressing in our world— um, we need to be looking at uh, better and more efficient ways to educate the church's youth because, um, let's face it, 
they are surrounded by a culture that is not just godless, but even anti-God in a lot of cases. Um, witchcraft and neo-paganism is on the rise in America. Um, and the people who are Christians know way less about the Bible than what their grandparents knew. Mm. Um, and so I think as as the church, we need to be thinking about ways that we can um, offer a better education uh, through more models. I mean, whether that be things like podcasts or um, finding teachers or whatever, um, I think we actually need to uh, put more more emphasis on that um, because if we don't educate our children um, on what God's Word says, uh, the world is going to educate them, mm-hmm. and then they won't be Christian anymore. So um, I think that's just... Uh, you know, I th- so I guess that's where that leads me is that we're uh, you know maybe things have uh, maybe things need some uh, what we call red teaming, you know, right. sticking with you know sticking with the whole code red thing, right? <laughs> you know, find out where the uh, the structural flaws are in our um, in our educational systems right now, like with Sunday school. You know, is Sunday school enough? Uh, is the way we do confirmation enough? Mm-hmm. Um, what you know? What do we actually need? So, and I think that's. Uh, and if you guys, if if the listeners have any uh, uh, ideas, where can they get uh, a hold? Of they us? get a hold of us. Well, they could email us feedback at clericalerrors.org. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash clericalerrorspodcast, and on Twitter at clericalerrorsp. At me, bro. P for podcast. And a uh, note uh, to our, one of our listeners, uh, Kendra, thank you for the kind words. She mentioned that uh, that uh, she finds our podcast very helpful in a time. How to, I'm not exactly sure, remember how she worded, but that uh, in difficult times, it's nice to have someone that she can listen to and enjoy and laugh. So we're happy to be there for you. Absolutely. So uh, and, uh, also, if, you're, if you like listening... They can also uh, let someone else know. We're coming up on 100 episodes, and uh, we would like to get more people listening, although uh, we've had a, actually a good month when it comes to downloads. Um, but uh, the more, the merrier. But yeah, if you want to see something different on the show, please let us know, you know? Um, if you want us to bring something back or whatever. I mean, we're we're actually here to, you know, we're here because of you guys. So And have fun. And have fun. Yeah. And while we're while we're shilling, uh, <laughs> you could always uh, rate on uh, iTunes and uh, I think Spotify has a rating. Wherever you can rate, give us some five stars and uh, Facebook has a rating. Really helps, yeah. And we got a really pretty good, uh, we pretty good rating so far. So I think we need to end this. Thank you for listening. I'm Bullhagen. I'm Berg, and I'm Vicker. And may your crack and bruises be squishy. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, on Twitter at clericalheirsp for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.